Welcome, everyone, to the Kapow Radio Show on the Kapow Radio Show Network, sponsored by FifthHookMedia.com. And today's date is August 22nd, 2016. And we have a teaching called Grace and the Law. Grace and the Law. We've all heard the term cheap grace, which refers to people who take the work of Christ in error and think that they have a license to continue and practice sin in their lives. If they are corrected in their sin, they'll yell out, you're a legalist. They believe the Bible's admonitions against certain lifestyle choices are simply legal matters, that they are free from the law, well, because they are under the grace of Christ. These gray area Christians make up cheap grace. Now, on the other end of the spectrum are the Judaizers, who desire to place the yoke of ritual, ceremony, and the law of Moses on the necks of Christians. They claim that salvation can only come through the obedience of the law. Judaizers require people to behave, talk, and perform a certain way that matches their own expectations of holiness. Both are wrong and do not know the scriptures. So we wish to take you on a biblical journey that will show you how salvation came to us Gentiles, the suffering that occurred in our behalf, and how the grace of Christ is really presented in truth. Our journey begins in the book of Acts. And I just wanted to read um, a scripture in in St. John, the first chapter, um, verses 12 to 13, where it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which we were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Amen. Let's talk about the legal religion. Alrighty. If you will read Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 46. Okay. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. When the God-fearing Cornelius and his family received salvation... In the Spirit of God, it showed the Jewish church in Jerusalem that God had extended his grace and spirit upon Gentiles also. Just like that scripture you read in John. That's right. Although accepted through Peter's vision and actions, it was a rare event at the time. Additionally, Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile, which means He had converted to Judaism and worshipped the God of the Jews. Judaism was a legal religion, according to Roman law. And at the time of early Christianity, Judaism encompassed Christianity, and it made it a religio lacita, or a legal religion. Now, as long as this new Messiah follower trend remained part of Israel's Judaism. 
It could be sanctioned both with Jewish believers and with the Roman government. Now, the Jews had always made converts or proselytes to Judaism. And with the outpouring of God's promised spirit on the Gentile proselytes, the Jewish church, believing in the Messiah, were happy with the results. You see, the Jews in the past, their scriptures and their prophets always talked about the salvation of the Gentiles. That's true. And that was part of the Jews' proselyting mission. Mm-hmm. Well, it even happened way back in at the Exodus, because mm-hmm. there's many of the Egyptians that went with the uh, Israelite people. Yes. So now that they're baptized into Christ, mm-hmm. it's easy for them theologically to now accept Gentile believers. Right. Even though it's kind of a shock that the Spirit of God it was poured out on them also, mm-hmm. and not just to Israel. Right. But it still fits into their prophetic mold. Mm-hmm. Okay. We were just like equal with the Jews, whereas before they were only allowed certain parts of the um, the temple and uh, rituals. Mm-hmm. You know, we're now we're just equal. Yeah, where the Jews they they proselyted for Judaism. Mm-hmm. However, the salvation of the Gentiles through the Mosaic Law was administered through Israel. Right. Everything came through Israel. And now they're going, oh, we're on equal plane. Right. Weird, but cool. We dig it. Mm-hmm. That's what was happening. So when the Jewish believers there with Peter saw this, they were astonished that God had extended his grace to the Gentile proselytes also. So the Gentiles along with the Jews, practiced the religion of Judaism and the ceremonial laws of Moses. Mm -hmm. Now, both Gentiles and Jews believe that Jesus of Nazareth was, and still is, the Messiah as prophesied by the ancient scriptures. Amen. If you'll read Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 24. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord." Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they could cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord." The continuation of preaching salvation to Gentiles or Greeks or Grecians who were part of the Jewish synagogues is seen as a favorable thing among the Jerusalem Jewish church. These may have been Hellenized Jews or they could have been pure Greek, but in either case, they're still affiliated with the Jewish mission here. The Jerusalem church sent a Jewish Christian man, Barnabas, to make sure that the new Gentile church 
was growing in the word of God and doctrine is needed. We can see that the Jewish church had concerns early on and had questions about how to incorporate and handle these new Gentile converts. And they wanted to make sure that they followed and feared God. Amen. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Now with salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit given to the Gentiles, the Jewish church soon realized that they as Israel were not the exclusive representatives of God anymore. Hmm. It It repudiated the Jewish concept of exclusive election. God was doing a new thing and had given eternal life and his spirit to the Gentile believers as well. Also part of the Old Testament promises. Exactly. So it fits well into their theological framework, Mm -hmm. even though it's weird. Well, I think that as now they're getting the understanding of what that word meant. Mm -hmm. And they can see it now. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is what the prophets prophesied. So it's a huge event in the first century. Just huge. Yet the Jewish Christian headquartered, the Jewish church, which was headquartered in Jerusalem, still had oversight over the missionary journeys and the Gentile outreach. The Jewish church, still practicing the ceremonial laws of Moses, rejoiced in the new Gentile converts to Christianity as these Gentiles were already part of the synagogues and of Judaism. So basically they're saying, hey, the spirit of God is poured out on them too. You know, we're not just exclusive. It's for all of us. Wow, how weird, but praise God. And they're rejoicing in that. Because this is the new thing that God was talking about. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to get a little stranger for the early church. Hmm. Right now it's just kind of strange enough, but then it gets a little stranger. We're going to talk about... <laughs> That's what usually happens, right? It does. And then you're going, what are you doing, God? What is this all about? So we talked about the legal religion. So as long as Christianity, the new Christians, Messiah followers, they believed that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the Messiah. They were convinced of that through Paul's persuasion and through Peter's persuasion and through the gospel message. But they were still under Judaism. So as long as they were under Judaism, they were a legal religion under Roman law. So now we're going to talk about the illegal Mm -hmm. religion. Right. But first, a word from our sponsors. I just finished reading Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare written by Paul and Linda Villanueva, and I highly recommend it to all Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness radio listeners. This book is about saving your marriage from destruction. It is a true and vivid account about adultery, witchcraft, curses, spells, and evil spirits, all attempting to dismantle and annihilate lives. This is an excellent training manual for building a stronger marriage by exposing the tactics your enemies use against you. Ultimately, the book glorifies the transformational power of God through submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is a good thing. Demons in My Marriage Bed from all online digital retailers, such as Amazon.com and Apple iBooks, FifthHookMedia.com. That is F-I-F-T-H-O-O-K-Media.com. Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. 
Please do not be fooled that such things cannot happen to you. Rather, get prepared and become the spiritual warrior needed to overcome in these perilous times in which we all live. God bless you all. If you will read Acts chapter 13, verses 4 through 13. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. From thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Barjesus which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead them, to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Berga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Very good job pronouncing all those words, by the way. Tried. <laughs> Some more. <laughs> They're hard. They're tongue twisters. For yeah, sure. they are. So what happened in Cyprus and Paphos was a radical departure from the norm. It was revolutionary in its implications for the Christian mission to Gentiles. It also had radical effects on the missionaries themselves. The missionaries continued to go to the synagogue in any given city and declare the good news to the Jews and to the God-fearing Gentiles there who were also part of that synagogue. But now something outside of the Jewish synagogue happened. Mm -hmm. This is a huge event that I think many times we just read Gloss over. over, yeah. Well, and we know what we like to do is we focus on the sorcerer, the Jewish mm -hmm. sorcerer, and what happened with him and the blindness, and we focus on that, but we kind of, we miss the historical uh, impact right. that this had. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, Barnabas, and their helper, John Mark, were invited to the Roman proconsul's headquarters, because he was an intelligent man and he wanted to hear from the missioners the good news that they were declaring in the city. Now take note that the Roman proconsul Sergius Paulus was not part of the Jewish synagogue, nor was he a proclaimed God-fearer. Rather, he was a pure Roman Gentile. Mm -hmm. That's it's, huge. It's huge. It's, it's something you miss when you just read it. Right. But when you look at it historically and you break it down like this, you're going, oh, wow. This guy has nothing to do with Judaism. He is not a God-fearer. He's not a proselyte. He's just a, 
a regular guy under the Roman government. So there's a speculation that goes like this. As governor in the region, he wanted to hear what these men were saying and declaring in his province to ensure that there would be no trouble ahead. Remember, we talk about illegal religion Mm -hmm. and illegal religion. So probably as the boss, he wanted to make sure everything was kosher. Let's hear what these guys are declaring. But like I said before, it's speculation. But what we do know is that the missioners were in a non-Jewish religious meeting proclaiming the gospel to a Gentile. A miracle occurred. And the Roman Gentile then believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That we know. And that was huge. So this was a huge divergent event in Gentile salvation. Whereas Gentile God-fearers or Judaism proselytes were receiving eternal life and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this event has a non-proselyte outside of Judaism receiving the same benefits. Mm Mm-hmm. Do we get that? Yeah. That's a big, big thing that when we read the book of Acts, it's easy to gloss over and not understand that. Right. But it was a turning point. Mm -hmm. Really was. So up to this event, Paul had been interested in an outreach to Gentiles anyway, but he made no special appeal to them directly. Nor did he approach them as being on an equal footing with Jews or apart from the synagogue. As we shall soon see, this departure from the norm would soon cast the direct outreach to the Gentiles apart from Judaism into great conflict with the Jewish church and eventually become the excuse for Christian persecution because this new Gentile Christianity would fall outside of Rome's religio lacita it wouldn't be a legal religion if it's not from judaism that's right it would become a religio illicita the illegal religion yes an unauthorized religion to be practiced and the jealous jews who rejected the gospel message they would continually use this legal offense to gather the Roman governors and people against the early Gentile church and their apostles. That was their hammer. That was their hammer. So now it kind of makes sense. All the persecution that you see the apostles going through, the early church going through, it's because the non-believing Jews that were still part of the synagogue and Judaism Mm -hmm. that rejected Christ as their Messiah, so they weren't Messiah followers, were saying, these people are claiming the Messiah but they're not part of us. They're not right. part of Judaism. They're an illegal religion and they're creating havoc in our town or our city. Let's kill them. Amazing. Right. Amazing. So we believe that this Gentile salvation apart from Judaism was the reason why John Mark left Paul and Barnabas to return to the Jerusalem church. We Makes be- sense. Yeah. We believe that. I've heard many um, preachers and teachers talk about this incident, Mm -hmm. that how John Mark, who was their helper, he was Barnabas's cousin. Mm -hmm. He was their helper. When I've heard that he left 
the missionary journey because he got homesick or he got sick or right. he was immature. Yes, he was just a kid mm-hmm. and he wanted to go back to Jerusalem. But yet when you go to um, chapter 15, mm-hmm. verse 37 through 39, there's a huge sharp dispute between Paul and Barnabas, so sharp that they split ways. Yeah. I mean, heavy. And that dispute was over John Mark because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them to reconfirm or encourage all the churches mm-hmm. that they had planted. Right. And Paul said, I no, I don't want him. You know, I'm I'm saying this for Paul, but he said, I don't trust this guy. Right. I don't want him with me. He abandoned us before. Blah blah blah. So you think, wow, if John Mark had left for personal reasons because he was homesick he missed his mommy Mm -hmm. why would that create such a sharp dispute right you know how how hard is the apostle paul Mm -hmm. but if you look at this that john mark left paul and barnabas to return to the jerusalem church not for personal reasons but because john mark disagreed with paul's doctrine yes and what he was doing mm-hmm. with a direct approach to to a gentile that's right because you look at this missionary journey and after they leave paphos mm-hmm. they go through several other regions without stopping and preaching the gospel mm-hmm. they bypass at least two other cities and regions which is not likely in the book of acts because they're mm-hmm. stopping everywhere and preaching the gospel so perhaps it's just speculation, but perhaps the missionary term team was discussing what just happened with right. Sergius Paulus. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine that? A Roman governor mm-hmm. and then some Jewish sorcerer trying to hinder. And then all of a sudden Paul speaks this word. The guy goes blind, ah, a miracle. And then the guy converts. It's, it's not like anything they've seen before. Right. How can he convert outside of Judaism? How can he convert without the help of Israel or a Mm -hmm. Jew? And so maybe in their discussion, Paul's like, this is what God's doing. This is where God's leading us. John Mark was like, "Uh -uh. uh-uh. I can't accept it. I'm I'm Jewish. Yeah. Can't accept it. So perhaps John Mark disagreed with Paul's validity of a direct approach to and his full acceptance of Gentiles. Now, some speculate that it was John Mark who told the Jewish church about the direct salvation of a Gentile who was not part of Judaism. And it was this testimony of things that inspired some of the Judaizers to go to the Gentile churches in Antioch Mm -hmm. and demand that they be circumcised according to the ceremonial laws of Moses before they could receive salvation. That makes sense. And now the Jewish believers who did this, because they were Jewish believers Mm -hmm. from Jerusalem, they went to the Gentile churches in Antioch and created all kinds of problems requiring circumcision. The ones who did this caused havoc and consternation among the Gentile converts because they were now told that they had to keep the law of Moses in order to receive eternal life. Mm Mm-hmm. This would also explain why Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp agreement. Or disagreement. Or disagreement, I'm sorry. Thank you. They had such a sharp disagreement in chapter 15 
verses 37 through 39. So sharp they had to split up because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him to encourage and confirm the newly found churches. So I I believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I don't believe the personal reason approach. It doesn't make as much sense as it was a lot heavier than that. Right. You know, the fact is Luke doesn't go into great, great detail on that. It just says John Mark left. And then you see a great division between Barnabas and Paul Mm -hmm. because of John Mark. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was probably the one who went back to Jerusalem church and said, hey, this is what happened. And it stirred up these Judaizers Mm -hmm. um, who were believers, by the way. Right. But they could not see a direct approach to Gentiles outside of Israel. Right. I hope the listeners are getting these nuances, the nuances that we're trying to teach here. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like it's heavy to see why you are saved. Right. How you, how you got to this point Mm -hmm. as a Gentile. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it is a miracle. It's where the, the, uh, the veil was actually ripped Hmm. and God made the two, the Gentiles and the Jews into one flesh. Yeah. This is the miracle that is taking place. It absolutely is. Because you could just see God working going, what? Mm-hmm. How did this happen? And it could have went the other way. And we'll find out later what, what the response is of the Jewish Jerusalem church to all this. But mm-hmm. it could have went the other way. And they could have enforced the Mosaic law. And neither none of us would be here today. Mm-hmm. That's why in Galatians, you know, it says that we're all one flesh. There's neither um, Jew or Gentile, male or female, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Yes. Because of what he did on the cross. Yes. And that goes so much against this Hebrew roots movement mm-hmm. and these people who want to go back to the Hebrew roots and um, dress uh, like priests and mm-hmm. blow shofars. And, because um, it's not an outward um, show. It's, it's, it's what's in it's inward. Like Paul mm-hmm. was saying, it's the new creation. It's the new creature. Not the circumcision, Mm-mm. but it's the new creature. It's the new person in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And to do the outward show, I mean, it's so silly. Mm-hmm. But they're doing that. Look how holy I am. Right. You have to pronounce the name of of Jesus. Not you can't say Jesus because that's a Greek word. You have to say Yeshua. And then some says no, it's Yahashua. <laughs> no, it's Yahahoaha. <laughs> you know, and oh, they get crazy. Yeah. But you see, they're 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 Judaizers. They're they're putting themselves back under a law, right? Back under a ceremonial ritual. Uh, there's, and you're right. That's what Paul wrote in Galatians. There's neither Greek nor, uh, I'm sorry, no Jew nor Greek. They're all one. Mm-hmm. There is no separation here. And now you can see this by studying the Word of God. How God did this. What the early church doesn't know is that within probably another 20 years from the time of all this is happening that the Jerusalem temple, the way of the law of Moses, all of Judea would be totally annihilated by Rome in AD 70. Mm -hmm. There would be a three year Jewish war and that it would be impossible to practice the law of Moses. 
So that they didn't see. That's right. Right around the corner. So it is amazing how, how God works this out. All right, you want to read Acts 13, verse 46. Sure. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. From now on, now this this happened when Paul and Barnabas went to a synagogue and they preached to the Jews and to the God-fearing Gentiles there, the proselytes. And some uh, of the Jews listened, others didn't, but then they were invited back. And when they got invited back the next week, the whole city showed up. Now, the whole city were Gentiles. They weren't God-fearing Greeks and they weren't Jews. So everybody shows up and and it says that the Jews got jealous. Mm -hmm. They got jealous. And so they started stirring up trouble and seeing that also is a fulfillment of the old, um, of the prophecies in the old Testament that God would make them jealous. Mm -hmm. Yes. He created a new, a new nation. Mm -hmm. He's going to make you jealous with, with the new people. Yeah. So they became jealous and they started stirring up problems uh, using God-fearing high-level women and leaders in the community and stuff going against the apostles. Mm-hmm. making it, So then, then after all this happens, that's when Paul says, you know, we were speaking to you first because it should come to the Jew first because salvation came through Israel. Right. Yeshua came through the line of David. Mm-hmm. But now, because you find yourself unworthy of eternal life, we're going to go to the Gentiles. Gentiles. The Gentiles. So from now on, from this point, from the point of Sergius Paulus, Paul seems to have developed a typical pattern in Acts. And here's his pattern. When arriving in a new area, he would initially go to the local synagogue, and he'd proclaim the good news to the Jews and to Gentile adherents who were both theologically prepared to receive his message. Do you know what I mean by that, theologically prepared? They sit in synagogue every week and they read Moses and the prophets, so they're expecting a Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so what Paul is doing is going in there and breaking it down for him and showing this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you turned over to Pilate and crucified, and then he rose again from the dead after three days. Many people witnessed it and are witnesses to that. He's that Messiah you were looking for. And those who believed were then baptized in the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. Those who didn't believe were unbelievers right. and brought on the curses of the prophets about them. Mm-hmm. So this is what his pattern was. He goes and he talks to theologically prepared people. When refused an audience in the synagogue, a direct ministry to the Gentiles would occur. Gentiles who were not part of Judaism or the synagogue. These Gentiles were not theologically prepared to receive the message and knew nothing or little 
about Israel's prophets and scriptures. Mm -hmm. So Paul had a different approach to these people. That's why you read about in, in, um, in his later letters, he will say, my gospel, right? my gospel. It's not a different message. It's mm -hmm. a different approach. It's a direct approach to Gentiles. Right. That's why you have natural theology or when he speaks in Athens and he says, this monument to an unknown God, mm -hmm. this is that God I'm telling you about. I'm making him known to you. Right. you know, so he has a whole different approach. He doesn't talk about Abraham and the Exodus and Moses and David. He doesn't yeah. talk about doesn't, that. doesn't mean anything to them. They're not theological prepared, prepared for that. Mm -hmm. I think we can learn a lesson from that also. When we talk to people, right? where are they at? How prepared are they to hear a message like this? That's right. So We're learning that living here. Yes. Yes, because everybody's at a different um, place, mm -hmm. and they have uh, different preparedness. Right. And I found, you know, myself and you will talk to people, and I'll use a term or something that's very common for me. But it's very foreign. To and they're them. like, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. What? Huh? They don't know what you're talking about. It's like, ooh, they have absolutely no background at all. Mm -hmm. And so then you have to you have to go back. And that's what Paul did. Right. The problem is with modern day churches, what they're doing is they're taking the world into the world to attract the world for money and for, for numbers. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing. The gospel message the content the message is always the same right. repent and be saved to jesus christ and to get eternal life it never compromises mm -hmm. but the approach does so you can't take the sin of the world and look worldly to attract the world and and think that's a gospel message but you could learn what paul did how he took it direct to the Gentiles, knowing that they weren't theologically prepared. Okay. But his first was to go to the Jews first and the proselytes who were in fact theologically prepared. I think it made his job a little easier, right? It'd be like us preaching to people who already go to church. Right. About uh, the impending times mm -hmm. and about um, rejecting sin and getting real serious about your walk with God, because then you're talking to Christians who already understand this kind of language and they're prepared, right? Right. Okay, so let me get back on this. So he, he did have a different approach with these people, but Paul knew that God had called both Jew and Gentile, and he knew that both had equal footing with God and both needed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and unto eternal life. Mm -hmm. See, that's the difference with Paul. And, 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 and compared to modern day churches who use the world to attract the world. Unfortunately, many of the unbelieving Jews became jealous because of the crowds wanting to hear the message and they hindered the missioners. Now, many Jews of the synagogue would or could prosecute the apostles through the Roman government and through the Roman citizens by claiming that Paul's religion was an illegal one that causes disruptions and disturbance to the Pax Romana, which is like, you know, the status quo. Mm -hmm. You're rocking the boat. These particular Jews hated the name of Jesus. And that goes back to our Sanhedrin teaching. Mm 
mm-hmm. how we broke it down and showed how the Sanhedrin were, was the beginning of the Christ haters mm-hmm. that still exist today. And here's the words of Jesus. If they, they hate me, they will hate you also. Yes. A master and a servant. Servant's not above the master. The master's got to go through it. You got to go through it. Mm-hmm. In fact, in these scriptures here, when Paul and Barnabas go back to the churches and mm-hmm. they confirm and encourage them, one of the things they now add to their message is that the kingdom of God, eternal life, comes with much suffering. That's right. They add that to it. It's part of the message. And it's true. You're going to suffer through this. Sure. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be rejected. Because you're going against the system of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um... And you're going to lose life. You're going to lose things that you think are important to you. But Christ says... He who loses his life gains it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of resistance to yes. the uh, gospel. Yes. Acts 15, verse 1 and 2, if you will. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And then in Acts 15.5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Notice it's it's a certain sect of the Pharisees which believed. Mm -hmm. So these were messianic jews they believed in jesus christ of nazareth as the messiah right these aren't bad people they're believers they're believers but they just think that you have to be circumcised and follow the law of moses for salvation Mm -hmm. because that's their paradigm Mm -hmm. that's who they are so this is a whole new thing it's huge you know crazy paul there and Roman proconsul's office. So here we have the beginning, the um, the beginning to the Jerusalem Council. Judaizers, which were probably influenced by the report of John Mark, by the way, took it upon themselves to straighten out the Gentile church by requiring them to submit to the law of Moses for salvation. The church at Antioch and its leaders were concerned with the Judaizers' challenge to the legitimacy of a direct ministry to Gentiles and to the validity of the conversion of Gentiles to Christ apart from any commitment to Judaism. Mm -hmm. So you can see how this all comes to a big, boiling head. Mm -hmm. Big old boiling head. And now it can go one way or the other. And if it would have went the other way, we wouldn't be here today talking about it. That's right. Because if the Jerusalem church said, no, Gentiles are pagans. They don't have enough theological background. They don't know our scriptures Mm -hmm. to know what they're doing and to live moral lives. They need to be part of us. They need to be part of Judaism and still 
be circumcised and do the ceremonial Mosaic law sacrifices and things like that while still believing that Jesus was the Messiah. If it would have went that way, then after AD 70, when the law of Moses ceased to exist in biblical times, what would have happened? We know what happened to the, the Jewish church. They couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't willing to then live under the grace of Christ rather than the law of Moses, what happened to you? Right. But the Gentiles survived that because they weren't part of the Jewish revolt. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. And that's why God says, I'm doing a new thing. I'm calling a new people. And he ended one age, age of the law. And he started a new age. This is the age of the Messiah. It's a messianic age. And what does he say about Jerusalem? It would be trampled by Gentiles until the end of the Gentiles. Right. So we are in that Gentile age. That's us. That's you and I. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. And guess what? After this, there's no more. This is it. We're heading for the home stretch. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the letter, the outcome of what happened to all this. This is Acts 15, 22 through 31. Then pleased it, the apostles and elders, with the whole church, to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no great burden, no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which, if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. The Jewish church accepted the direct evangelization of the Gentiles apart from Judaism. But their freedom from ceremonial law of Moses did not mean freedom from sin or freedom from offending Jewish brothers and their customs. Mm -hmm. That was the whole teaching in Romans. Yes. Yes. And that's why we opened up this show talking about cheap grace. Mm -hmm. Because people don't understand this. Because you're under the grace of Christ, you're free from the law 
but you're not free from the law of God, God's moral law, ceremonial law. And you can say that to your blue in the face, but I think breaking it down like this, you can't refute it. There's no no argument. You're like, "Mm, that's what it says. So they were not free from sin. The newly formed Gentile churches were told to stay away from things given to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. They would do well to adhere to these four things. Now, we believe that these areas allow demonic spirits in one's life if violated. Correct. And we have previous teachings on this. We're not going to go over those things right here. They're too long, but we do have previous teachings on these four things that we believe prevent demonization in your life. That's right. If you adhere to those things. Okay. Do you have some scriptures you want to add? At this? Um, the, the scriptures that came to mind when I was reading this was um, Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. And Ephesians 4.24 says, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then uh, Mark 8.34.35 says, Whosoever will come after me, this is Jesus speaking, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Amen. And that's for Jew and Gentile. That's for everyone who would follow Christ. And that goes right with when Paul said to the churches, confirming their salvation and encouraging them and building them up, saying, eternal life, the kingdom of heaven, comes with much suffering. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy road. I think we all should just quit complaining. (laughs) You know, really, because it is an easy road. But so well worth it right. when you look at what's going on around you. Ooh. Well, the Bible clearly teaches against murmuring and and uh, complaining. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't do you any good. Mm-mm. Just drags it's you all down. About Thanksgiving and um, and knowing that God is in control of mm-hmm. every situation in your life, and that whatever is happening really is for a, a good reason. You know, because. Peter talks about that, that your faith is being challenged because it's, 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 it's more precious than gold. I mean, your faith is what's, it's God's faith given to you. And that faith is what's going to get you into heaven. Mm-hmm. It's that growth. Mm-hmm. It's that walking in the spirit and then going to that next level. And you, you mentioned something that reminded me, you know, you talked about Peter saying it's basically the struggle that creates that. Um, character in you that godly character well just think in this historical journey we just took an axe just imagine had they not gone through the struggles they went through mm-hmm. just think if if all the, the 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 jerusalem church went oh that's cool yeah whatever and yeah, no no problem everybody and it was all smooth and you know no issues or you know you wouldn't have that Jerusalem council, you wouldn't have these things that they wouldn't be sending men like Barnabas and Paul and Silas back there to 
grow them in doctrine and to teach them, you, you wouldn't have those kind of foundational things mm. if there was no struggle. Right. And all these men were filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with faith. Mm-hmm. And then it says, also, some of them, like um, Silas, mm-hmm. they were prophets. Prophets, yes. So as they went back to the the churches, these mm-hmm. newly developed assemblies of Christ followers, Messianic believers, they then were able to encourage them and prophesy and speak words from the Lord to them mm-hmm. and grow their spirits and stuff, you know? Yeah, it's truly, it is dependency upon the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Ghost. It was like what Marco said when he got that revelation or that understanding that without Christ, he can't do anything. Yeah, The messages just don't come from yourself. They mm-hmm. come from inspiration yes. of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, we're just not that smart Mm-mm. to put it together. Well, we conclude that the road for Gentile salvation apart from the ceremonial and ritualistic law of Moses was a long, arduous one. It's a battle fought for our behalf by the early apostles and Jewish church. I, for one, appreciate that. Don't you, Miss Capel? Oh, very much, yes. I can really appreciate it now. So although Gentile Christianity, apart from Judaism, remained an illegal religion in Rome, which in fact was used by many of the Christ-hating Jews to persecute the church and its apostles, it was now sanctioned by the Jerusalem Jewish church. And it could receive training, doctrine, and growth in the grace of Christ. Truly, the Messianic age has come. So we hope that you can now have a new appreciation and understanding of your origins in early Christianity. We realize that the grace of Christ which negated the ceremonial law of Moses for salvation, never negated the requirement for repentance of sin. That's right. Never. That's why when Jesus says, who will come after me, deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. Yes. Yes. It never negated that. So when you hear somebody say, that's legalism. When, when, you, when you have denominations putting behind the pulpit homosexuals and lesbians and they're openly gay Mm -hmm. and they're quote unquote ministering to a congregation Mm -hmm. openly practicing and continuing in sexual immorality openly Mm-hmm. And when confronted by that, they would that's legalism. Put me under the law. I'm not in law. I'm under the grace of Christ. He forgave me from the beginning. He forgives me now, and I'm forgiven all the way to the end, which is true. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a little more to it. That's right. What's the rest of that? Those that follow after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Yes. So. Too many times we hear there is no more condemnation, Mm -hmm. which is true, but we don't hear the rest of part of the scripture. Those who 
Follow out the spirit. Follow out the spirit. You got to walk in the spirit, and not the negative. Walk after the flesh. Mm-hmm. So this grace is not cheap. It never negated repentance or behavior displeasing to God. Right. It only negated ceremonial law, circumcision, ceremonial law of Moses, because that age was ending and the new age was to come, the messianic age. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the end of the Gentiles. Right. And after us, it's not going to be the alien age, and then the gospel is going to go to aliens. This is it. This is it. This is it. So the grace of Christ in the Bible never allows continued and practice sin. Never. In fact, it still requires that we abstain from adultery. It still requires that we abstain from blood. Anything with blood, whether you're ingesting it or murder. And what did Christ say? If you have hate in your heart, it's like you're murdered. Mm -hmm. Things strangled. We talked about that before. People were like, what does that mean? It's a demonic thing. It holds the demons in. Demons come out through the breath. And sexual impurity. You can't get around it. Sexual immorality. Demons transfer through the fluids, through the Mm -hmm. blood. That's right. It still requires the turning away from a sinful life of death. It never negated that. That's not cheap grace. That is grace and the law. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. You have anything to add? Well, give everybody a good night. Ciao, baby. I've heard the wisdom from the wisely wise heard the story
Mars heard of spaceships that might come from Mars. Fancy speeches from those leaders of ours heard the teachings of men who still lie. But all I know is Jesus Christ and Him crucified for me. How He loved. 